to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. I think we are giving people opportunities and we are giving everyone an opportunity. You know, we want everybody to have a chance. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us this week. I am so glad that you are here. Now moms, let me ask you, have you signed up yet for the By the Brook weekend? It's coming up on June 23rd and 24th and you do not want to miss out on this weekend that we are planning just for you. You can find out more information on our website, risingaboveministries.org. And you can also find out about our different host site locations that we have all around the country. Be sure to go check it out because we want you to be a part of this event that we are planning just for you. My guest today is Tempa Kohler and Tempa lives in Monroe, Georgia with her husband, Michael, and they have been married for 37 years. They have an adult son with Fragile X Syndrome and they are the founders of Special Needs and Treats Bakery where they employ individuals with disabilities. They do such amazing work and I loved getting to hear more about their bakery and I know that you will as well. So here's my conversation with Tempa Kohler. Hey, Timba, it is so great to see you. I It's been a long time since we have had a conversation, and I am so excited to get to be with you for a little bit today. Yes, it's going to be fun. It's, um, I'm so glad that you asked me, and like you said, it's been a long time since we've actually sat down and talked, because I remember being at the By the Brook, which, of course, yep. you know, before pre-pandemic and everything, and um, you were in Atlanta, and that was... Uh, that was a very fun day. I remember that well. I remember that well. And, you know, it was just such a joy to meet you and your husband at, I think it was at some award ceremony that we were both mm-hmm. at and we met yeah. each other then for the first time. And I was like, oh, we need to have Tempa to come to By the Brook. You spoke at By the Brook and then also yeah. um, for the podcast. So I'm glad yeah. to have this time to catch up because that's been, goodness, probably eight yeah. years now, Yes, which is crazy. <laughs> I know. It's, well... The bakery has been open. It was nine years in January this year. And we were still on in our other location uh-huh. when that happened about the award ceremony. So yeah, it's been, it's been I, a definitely while. eight years. It's yeah. been a while. Well, I know a little bit about you, but just real quickly, tell everybody a little about you. We're going to delve way deep into the what you do at the bakery, but just tell us about your family. I know you're a grandmother, I believe. And yes. so just tell us a little bit about you and your family. Okay. Um, to go way, way back, um, Mike and I actually went to kindergarten together. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we did. Wow. <laughs> and then we went to high school with each other, and we um, met, and um, we got married um, very young. We um, we got pregnant at the age of 17, and we had our daughter, Ashley, and we got married in December of 1984. She was born in April of 85, and, you know, just perfect little girl, and, you mm. know, just... It was it was awesome, and of course, you know, we were very very young. I look back on it now, and I'm like, how in the world did we yes. do what we did? Um, and then five years later, we were um, expecting again, and we had Bradley. Um, Bradley was born in February of 1990, and I knew the minute that they handed him to me that there wasn't something quite right. Mm. Um, but we weren't really sure what that was because they said never compare your children. But I just knew that there was just something different. Um, so that was quite a, you know, quite a bit of a journey. Um, and I can get more into that if you would like me to, but we, um, we lived in Missouri. We moved to Georgia in 1998 because of my husband's job. 
And we chose the specific place where we live because of the school system for special needs. And um, that's how we landed in Gwinnett County. And um, we've been married. It'll be, well, our daughter will be 38 in April. Bradley just turned 33. Goodness. She'll be 38 in April and we'll be married 39 years in December. Uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. That is huge. Yeah. Well, you, you spoke about your son. You knew yeah. something wasn't quite right. But yeah. in time, you discovered what was going yeah. on. So tell us about his diagnosis and what okay. that journey was like to find out what was okay. going on. So, like I said, we knew immediately that there was not some, there was just something not right. And we started, you know, going to see doctors and different things. At six weeks old, he had his first double ear infection and ran a fever of like 105, 106, which was very scary for a newborn. And, um, you know, they, they said it's an ear infection. They treated it for that. He probably had ear infections about every two to three months after that, up Mm. until the age of two. And I still noticed there was milestones that he was not hitting And they said, well, it's probably because he can't hear right. So let's get tubes put in his ears and then we'll go from there. They put the tubes in. There was nothing different except he didn't have any more ear infections, you know, with the tubes. But there was nothing developmental that changed from him getting the tubes put in. So then that's when we really started researching and looking. Um, We had people tell us, you know, that he was um, autistic. He was ADD, ADHD. Um, They said that he would probably never talk. We needed to teach him sign language. And I just, I I refuse to believe that part of it. But, you know, we just kept searching and looking. We would take him to doctor after doctor. And we would drive up to a tall building and he would just scream because Mm. he would know that there was a doctor inside. Um, Just something that he just did not enjoy. And so I was kind of coming to my wits end, me and my husband both. And I was like, Mike, we just need to take him to the Mayo Clinic because we're not getting any answers. And where we lived in Kansas City, we had Children's Mercy Hospital that's very you know, well-known for, you know, taking care of Mm -hmm. children. And, you know, they had specialists and things like that. And I said, well, I do have this one more appointment. I said, let me go ahead and go to this one. And if something doesn't come from that one, then I'm going to search out the Mayo Clinic and figure out what we need to do. And I cannot remember the doctor's name. It's been too long ago. But I went in and she said, well, she said, I don't think there's really any need for you to go to the Mayo Clinic. And I looked up on her wall and she had gone to the Mayo Clinic. That's where (laughs) she had got her doctorate at. So I thought that was, at the time, we were not in church, but mm-hmm. I look back on it now, and it was it was divine intervention mm-hmm. right there. And she said, well, you know, kind of give me a history on Bradley. And so I told her all of these things. And she said, well, I'm going to tell you why he's not autistic, why he's not this, why he's not that. And I said, well, that's great, but can you tell me what he does have? Mm-hmm. And she said, have you ever heard of Fragile X Syndrome? And, of course, I looked at her like everybody looks at me, and I'm like, no, I have no idea what that is. And she said, well, do you have other children? And I said, yes, we have a daughter. And she said, well, how is she? And I said, well, she's fine. She does great in school. There's no issues. And she said, well, then I doubt it's Fragile X. Now, mind you, this is a doctor Mm, who went to Mayo Clinic. And at that time, they still did not know because she's like, if one has it, they all have it. And so she didn't even really know at that point. But she said, let's test him for this. It was a blood test. And she said, it will take about six weeks. And I'm like, man, six more weeks. But I'm like, hey, we've waited this long. So um, we had him tested, but when I left, I'm like, I'm going to the library. Um, This was before really internet was out there. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the library and I said, do you guys have any books on something called Fragile X Syndrome? They had three books. Two of them had been checked out. I got the third one. I went home, I started reading it, and I immediately just started crying. I called Mike and I said, Mike, someone has followed us around for seven years and wrote a book. And I did not know that they were there. I mean, he was textbook. And it was 
it was just mind blowing. I did not need that blood test. But when I found that out, I looked back at my dad's side of the family. My dad was from a family of 12. He was the youngest. And there were several in my dad's side of the family that, you know, at that point, we just always said, well, there's just something wrong with them, but we never knew what. Well, now I know what it was. It was fragile X because it is a genetic disorder. So then we did hit the Internet from for what little that you did have, you know, that's been, um, you know, what, 26, 27 years ago. And we did start researching fragile X. And we did find out that there was um, in in Colorado, her name is Dr. Randy Hagerman. And she's like the foremost person on fragile X. At that time, she had seen over 2000 patients with fragile X. And I'm like, Mike, we need to go. We have got to figure out how to get out there. This was in February, early, late February, early March. We called and they said, well, we can't get you in until July. That's mm-hmm. how booked up yeah. she was. Yeah. And it was going to be a lot of money to go. So mm-hmm. we started doing fundraisers. We were having yard sales and we started raising money to get out there so we could go see Dr. Randy Hagerman. And it was very cool to see someone that had seen so many kids with Fragile X because a lot of people didn't know about it. Um, we didn't find out anything life shattering or anything. It's just, they looked at my family tree and asked all these questions and they're like, well, your family tree is not very good. Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. Um, but you know, we also found out more about medicines and how the medicines truly work Mm because we did not want to put him on anything, but we, after that, we did understand that we did need that medicine and it did help him. So we're glad that we went and that's where the journey really, Mm -hmm. really started. You know, he was about eight years old and, um, it just, it took off from there that we had to, we knew we had to be his advocate. We had to step in mm-hmm. for him. We knew we were going to have to find the schooling that he needed. And having a diagnosis, they also knew where to put him in school. Because without a diagnosis, they, you know, well, is he self-contained? Is he inclusion? Is he this? Is he that? Yeah. Uh, well, and so that was when he was eight. How? And you said, how old is he now? He just turned 33. Just turned 33. So how does Fragile X impact him now as a grown, you know, he's a grown man. How does it impact his day-to-day life now? Well, he is still cognitively, you know, some on some things he might only be eight or nine years old. Other things he's right on par with, you know, where you would think a teenager would would be. Um, But then, uh, you know, as far as appetite and shoe size and clothing, you know, he's a grown man, like you said. But, you know, he's um, he's a social butterfly, um, loves to go to church, um, and he just he loves to talk to people. He loves to interact with people. Um, he, you know, he does work at the bakery. People always ask us that, and he's here three days a week. Um, but he does not have any health issues that stem from Fragile X, so we're very thankful for that because some do, mm. but he does not. And he's like mild to moderate, you know, impairment. Mm. Um, but, you know, so it really doesn't. And, and now they've come out with that they're saying that Fragile X is the number one cause of autism, you know, is what mm. they're saying. But also Fragile X is the second largest known cause of mental impairment next to Down syndrome. And it affects like one in every hundred. But people still don't really know about it a lot. Mm. Wow. Well, and so it sounds like you all had quite a journey, but you were early advocates for him, I know, mm-hmm. um, from the get-go. And, you know, so often when our kids, you know, we we go through all the schooling and we do all those things, get the therapies and things that they need. And then they become adults. And, you know, a lot of times we look around and we, you know, there's not much for our children once they become adults. And that's what you all saw in your story as well. But you all decided to do something about that. So tell us what you did 
um, to, to help your son have a place to go and be once he aged out of school? So, um, like I said, in 98, we moved to Gwinnett County, Georgia. And the reason we moved here is because of the school system. It's top notch. I have a um, sister-in-law who's a teacher in Indiana, and she had heard about Gwinnett County Schools before. They're, I mean, they, it was just absolutely wonderful. We had an awesome experience in school. After he graduated, he went to Strive. I can't tell you what that stands for, but it's an acronym. Mm-hmm. It's a work program where the bus still comes and picks them up. They take them to job sites. They bring them back home. And they do that basically until they're 22. And then they age out of the system. Well, when we moved to Gwinnett County, we also found out about a baseball program that happened at one of our parks, and it was for special needs. And we're like, well, let's get him involved Mm -hmm. in something just so he has that interaction. And we knew absolutely no one when we moved here. So we're like, this will be a perfect opportunity for us. So we started out him on baseball teams. Mike started helping as, you know, just a dad helping his kid play. Then he became an assistant coach, and then he became a coach, and then he became a director and an assistant director. <laughs> and he was all the way up till he was the director of the special populations program at this park. And so he used to play baseball every Saturday. He did that for, oh, I don't know, probably eight or nine years. And all of his parents used to sit around and we're like, what are we going to do? Mm. What are we going to do when these kids hit that age? And several said, oh, well, you know, maybe we'll start a and b or maybe we'll do this. And I'm like, well, I bake cakes and I would love to have a bakery. So maybe I'll open a bakery and Bradley can just come work for me and, you know, that'll take care of that. And that's really where it started. Mm. Um, so, of course, he turned 18 and then he got into the Strive program and we're like, OK, we're running out of time. He's he's coming up on 22. What are we going to do? So it was actually Bradley who got us back in church. Got to back up a little bit. Our neighbor across the street, they had a son that played baseball at the same high school Bradley went to. And they would invite him to the baseball games and he would go. And then on Wednesday nights, he would go to youth night and they would invite Bradley to go. And they just welcomed him in, the youth leader um, Mm -hmm. and everybody there. They just welcomed Bradley in. And then they started asking Bradley to go to church. And um, so he would start going to church with them on Sundays, which Bradley was used to going to church. He would spend summers with my mom in Kentucky and she would take him to vacation Bible school. Hmm. Sorry. It's okay. My mom's just been recently put in assisted living. Mm. She has dementia. I'm so sorry. But looking back on that, it meant the world that Ashley and Bradley would go in the summers and she would take them Mm. to vacation Bible school. But um, he started going to church. It was a Pentecostal church that they went to, wore suit and ties. And Bradley still wears a suit and tie every Sunday to church. That's just how, that's how my dad dressed. And that's how Bradley knew to go to church. So um, our neighbor started asking him to go to church, and he started going to church on Sundays and still went to youth night. And then he kept saying, Mom and Dad, come to church, come to church, come to church. And we're like, eh. I mean, it was just, it. that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we finally said, okay, we'll go to church with you. So it was Bradley that got us into mm-hmm. church. Well, eventually, we started a couple small groups. Um, me and Mike were doing small groups on our own men's and women's. And he's like, I really think we need to join this couple small group. And it was on Sunday afternoons. And I said, Mike, I said, you and Bradley are doing this men's group and they would do like a workbook together. And, and it was just a very special time. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't want to pull you away from Bradley, you and Bradley doing that men's group together. And he said, well, he said, let's join the small group. And he said, every other week, I'll still go with Bradley and we'll just go every other week to the small group. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it finally, when we when it came up on it, we just let Bradley go to that men's group on his own. And then me and Mike did the couple small group, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. But in this small group, we met, you know, all these couples, and we shared our dream. Because at that point, we're like, well, we really want to start this bakery, and this is what we want to do. We want to employ special needs adults. Because when I started thinking about it, um, I actually saw an interview on TV one day with someone about a little boy who was living in a uh, homeless shelter. And the interviewer found out it was his birthday. And she said, well, what do you want for your birthday? And he said, all I want is a birthday cake. And God pierced my heart and said, you can do that. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I can do that. I know how to make cakes, but I didn't know how to get them into the hands of the people that I needed mm-hmm. to get them to. Um, so we thought, well, we'll open a bakery. We'll do it nonprofit. We'll get all this money because people love to donate to nonprofits. And then we'll start <laughs> giving away these free birthday cakes. And me and Bradley, this is what we will do. Well, man, have we learned a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm in the nonprofit yeah. world. And uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, it no. doesn't quite work that way. No, it does not work that way. Um, but that was our plan. Mm-hmm. So when we shared it with our couple small group, um, there is a family that was in our couple small group and they truly believed in what we were doing. And they gave us our first money mm. to to really get us going. Yeah. Um, you know, we applied for our nonprofit. Um, it, you know, was about this thick. And we're like, there's no way we're ever going to be able to get this filled out and get it done right. So we actually went to someone, and that's my first piece of advice. If you want to open a nonprofit, get someone to write that nonprofit application for mm-hmm. you that they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but we had our nonprofit in six weeks, and that's like unheard of mm-hmm. that we got it that quick. Um, but once we had the nonprofit status, and then we're like, okay, now we can really get up and going. And that's when we got that first seed money that we got. Um, we're like, okay, we got to find a place. We've mm-hmm. got to do this. And that's where it started. But I thought, me and Mike thought, well, if we can give away the free cakes and we can do this for Bradley, why can't we do it for others as well? Mm. Why don't we hire other special needs adults to help us do this? And that's where all of that started. And it's beautiful. And, and you know, that's how we heard about you was through your bakery. So tell us the name of the bakery, because I suspect a lot of our listeners have heard of the bakery before. So what is the name of the bakery? It's called Special Needs and Treats. Special needs and treats. And, and needs, is, needs is spelled with a K. With a K. K-N-E-A-D-S. Because our tagline is everyone needs to be needed. Mm. I mean, everyone needs yeah. to be able to wake up every morning and have a purpose and, and a place to go and something to do. So you employ individuals with disabilities. Yes. And so tell us kind of what, what the bakery looks like and about some of your amazing employees. Okay. So we... Um, like I said, we've been open for nine years. So we opened in January of 2014 and we used to be um, on the Lawrenceville Square in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And we were there about six months when we realized this place is not big enough. And it was a lease. Um, and there are so many God stories, Becky, that I could mm-hmm. I could sit here for hours and tell you things that happened to us and how it happened. And it was just, it's just been unbelievable because when God's for it, you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just going to keep going. And that's exactly what he did. Um, it's his bakery. He gets all the glory. Um, and we're just amazed at the things that he has done. Um, so we were there um, three years. But after about six months, we knew it was too small. But after about a year and a half, the lease company sold out to mm-hmm. another leasing company. Yeah. And when they approached us to tell us how much the um, the increase was going to be on the lease, we're like, Okay, that's that's our mark that it's mm-hmm. it's time to go. And actually how that came about is we started with one lease payment and the company who had it at the beginning 
they never increased our lease payment because they knew what we did mm-hmm. and they just they just never increased it. Well, when this other company took over, they sent us a letter and said, we noticed that you um, never paid your increase on your lease and this is how much your new payment's going to be. And that's when Mike started going, this is not good. How right. much are they going to raise it to? So that's yeah. when we started looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we found this location, um, over there we had 1,800 square feet. Here we have 12,000 square feet, wow. which is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Our kitchen was 200 square feet. Now our kitchen is 2,600 wow. square feet. People walk into our kitchen and they just can't believe it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, sometimes I still look at it and I can't believe it. Um, but we have um, a total of 32, I'm, I'm almost positive that number's right, 32 special needs adults um, that work. Some of them do work full-time. We have a couple that work full-time, and then others may only work one day a week. Some work two days a week. Um, some work two hours a week. You know, some work 20 hours a week. So it really depends upon um, <clears throat> their parent, their guardian, whoever that would be, you know, what their work schedule would be. Um, and we we do so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a waiting list still, our waiting list right now. The highest it ever got was 215 on the waiting list. To, to come and work there. To come and work. Wow. Uh-huh. And now we're at 152. It, it you know, fluctuates up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, you know, some that work up front. That's all they do. They um, greet customers as they come in. They pull cupcakes. They package cupcakes. Um, we have some that they do laundry. They fold laundry. They sweep the floors. Um, we have a girl that works with us. She's vision impaired, and she has a seeing eye dog. Um, and when she came up on the list, Mike was like, how am I going to do this? She has a seeing eye dog, and we run a bakery. Mm. Um, but we worked it out. Um, they come in the back door, and her dog has a crate. He goes, in, She goes in the crate. She comes into the kitchen um, with tape that we have laid down, and she can fill it with her cane. Um, she is married, and so she runs her household as well. So there's just so many jobs that she does. Mm. It's just like being at home. But we sell an item called chalkhorn, and she can actually make the chalkhorn for us. Um, and it's not anything Braille because she never learned to read Braille. That's a whole other story. Um, but we said, well, how do you use the microwave? And she said, well, I have my one, three, five, seven, nine, and start just with dots, raised dots that I can feel, mm-hmm. and then I can orientate the other numbers. So that's how she uses the microwave. Um, but, you know, she folds laundry. We have a talking scale. I never knew there was such a thing. Mm. Um, so she has a talking scale where she can weigh things out. Um, and so that that part's just amazing. Um, we have some that are full-time dishwashers. That's all they do. And if they do not, if we, you don't have clean dishes, you can't run a bakery. Because right. you you're always got dishes going. Um, I have a brother and sister team. They're my cupcake people. She works full-time. He works three days a week. And they make all my cupcakes for me. They fill the case. They do all the orders. Um, we have some that bake, um, some that does inventory. You know, so there's just so many jobs. And we sticker everything. Stickers go on everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> so well, a lot of stickering jobs. That's so great. And, you know, I'm sure that there are so many ways that lives have been impacted by you providing the space for them to come and work. So what are some of the stories that you can share about ways that lives have been impacted through what you're doing there at the bakery? So we had a gentleman that came and worked for us, um, and he he was going to college at the time. He was high-functioning autism, and when he started working for us, though, he was very shy. He used to work in the back. He would bake, and he would make icings and things like that, but we eventually got him up front, and he worked up front with another one of our young ladies, and she really helped him come out of his shell and, you know, taught him things and, you know, oh, you need to talk to people and you need to do this. 
And it eventually got to the point where he could run the front by himself. Mm. Um, at our gala three years ago, he actually spoke because he is a, he was going to school. Let me see if I get this right for environmental spatial analysis. I don't even know what I, that I means. It has say, something to do with mapping. <laughs> there you go. That's news to me. Okay. Yeah. And so he did a presentation about where the next place we should put a bakery in as far as demographics and um, the need with um, the homeless and the food shelters and things like that. And so he did this whole workup. And when he did it, um, a gentleman that works for Georgia Power, he said, you explain that to me better than people I have working for oh, me. Oh, my goodness. And he said, I would love to get you an interview. Well, that was amazing. Well, then the pandemic and mm. none of that, you know, it was put on hold, basically. Right. And so whenever all that was done and over, you know, he's, he said, can I talk to your friend again about possibly getting a job? Well, it finally worked out where he helped him. He um, helped him, like, with how do you interview and how does your resume need to look? And he is now working with a company that contracts for Georgia Power. So he is working in the field for what he went to school for. And he said, you know, I just appreciate the job that I had there because it helped me mm -hmm. to be more vocal and to, you know, get to talk to people more. And he said it really, truly did help me. Um, we had another gentleman. He didn't work for us very long, but he wanted to be a librarian. But, you know, he said just a little bit of time that I worked with you guys. He said it gave me the confidence to be able to go to school and be able to talk to people. And for, we haven't talked to him in a while, but I'm pretty sure that he is now a librarian. But um it's just the little things, you know, mm -hmm. people who, you know, they're like, I never used to talk to people. I, you know, I didn't have any friends. And now I really look at the people that I work with as my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, we do a Christmas party every year. We get to do a bowl -a -thon. So when they get to hang out with each other, you know, just different things like that. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very cool that they just open up and, and they can talk to each other and they can have those relationships. Well, you're providing a place of community for them, a, a safe yeah. place for them to come and be and learn and get experiences that then they can take on to other places. So, you know, I'm in the nonprofit world myself, and I know that there are roadblocks and things that come up that are challenges and challenging to, you know, to trying to move forward. And I can only imagine especially having a, a bakery and employing individuals with disabilities, that there had to be roadblocks that come have mm -hmm. come along your way. So how have you, have you pushed through those trials and those things that have come up? Because, you know, to keep going to where you are today. Well, um, one, of the, one of the biggest ones was the pandemic because everybody mm -hmm. had to shelter in place yeah. um, because of, you know, health issues and things like that. So we were very, very blessed and fortunate that we did get the PPP money and we got it twice. So we were able to keep all of our employees paid and that we were so blessed and thankful for that we did not lose any of them. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big challenge, but also the challenges of just um, uh, parents and guardians and getting, getting folks to the bakery. That's a big one because transportation across mm -hmm. the board for special needs adults in any situation, that one's been very challenging too. And working around schedules and working around doctor's appointments and therapies and different things like that. Um, but money, money is always a big mm -hmm. issue, you know, because we want, we pay minimum wage <clears throat> whenever we bring them in. That's what we start at because we want them to know that they're, they're coming in, they're punching that clock, they're getting that paycheck and that money is theirs and they earned it and they can do with it what they want. And so um, just being able, because that's the way we wanted to do it. We wanted them to have that paycheck. 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with piecework. We have those organizations and companies out there and, you know, we need, you know, hundreds more of those. We could use a hundred more bakeries. So it's just depending upon what level that you're at and, you know, what you can do, but it's, it's the finances coming in mm-hmm. um, to support that. Also just getting people to recognize just because you have a disability does not mean that you can't do anything. That's right. Um, some people have just that stigma and basically they're afraid of what they do not know and mm-hmm. what they do not understand because we've got people that come in and they're like, well, I can't employ a special needs adult. And my husband is very quick to say, well, why? Why can't you employ a special needs adult? Tell me what you do at your job. And I will let you know that you can hire a special needs adult. Mm-hmm. That's a question we get all the time. Well, how do you hire special needs? And we're like, uh, you give them an application and they fill it out <laughs> and you fill out an I-9 and a W-4. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with anybody, you know. Um, now, of course, there are challenges with them because if they get SSI, right. when they hit a certain amount, but that's a whole other, you know, that's a whole other animal. And that just, again, is up to parents or guardians. Mm-hmm. Um And just also each individual person, just like if you don't have a disability, if you do have one, when they come in, you have to learn what they can do and what they can't do. Some people can do this job and some people cannot do this job. And you just have to work with them and figure out what they can and cannot do. You have to find their strengths and their weaknesses and you put them where their strengths are at. Mm. Now, sometimes it's good to put them where their weakness might be because it might challenge them to work a little bit harder at those things. Um, but sh- it's just getting to know people. Um, sometimes the language barrier is hard. You know, it, it's hard to understand some of them. But mm-hmm. once you work with them enough, then then you get to know yeah. their language. Yeah. Well, I know that you all are such a huge asset in your community. And I know that you all give back to your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell us about that. So we have, uh, we call it Cakes for Kiddos. And we work with our local food cooperatives. We work with um, local foster agencies. We also work with hospice care. Um, and we give away free cakes. Um, we basically give the food co-ops and the foster families gift certificates. And they hand them out to their clients whenever they come in for food services. They ask them if they would like a birthday cake from the freezer or if they would like a gift certificate. If they get a gift certificate, they call us and they can order the cake. They get two different options, either chocolate or vanilla. They can ice it chocolate or vanilla and they get four design choices and then they can have an inscription on there. Mm-hmm. And one thing that um, one of our friends who runs one of the food co-ops, she says it it's so empowering to the parent to give them that option that they have control over mm-hmm. their child's birthday cake. And that gives them um, an uplift, you know, and that helps them out. And we're just thankful that we're able to do that because, like I said, that was the main reason why I wanted to have the bakery was mm-hmm. to give away those free cakes. And God has just continued to bless that part of it. That's so great. And I know that those kids just love that and having that opportunity and what a you know blessing for the parents mm-hmm. as well. And so when you look to the future of the bakery, what are your hopes and dreams for what you're doing? Well, we just had our gala on Friday night. That was our fifth gala. And so we did some big ask at the gala. One thing we would love to have is a, um, a refrigerated truck. Um, and that is for basically just if we need stuff throughout the year that we need to go pick up or do. But also when it comes gala time, we need that truck to get stuff from here to our gala location. But also in thinking that one day we would love to have little storefronts. This location here would be um, distribution. And then we would have little storefronts back on the squares of these little towns. Mm-hmm. And that truck would be able to make the deliveries from the distribution to those storefronts. We also want other locations 
maybe even locations that actually have their own ovens and things like that where they can do just a full-fledged bakery. They wouldn't need us for the distribution. But we also asked about a, um, a second location of another one of these to be distribution in another county. Um, so our, our goal or our plan would be that there would be a special needs and treats in every city, mm. in every state, all the way across the country. Yeah. Because we would love to see this grow because there are so many special needs adults that sit home mm-hmm. and they're not doing anything and they're not given the opportunity. Now, sometimes you're higher functioning, they get the opportunities, and there's great companies out there, you know, several grocery stores, several of the drug stores they will hire, but your lower functionings, the ones in the wheelchairs, the ones that need the help, they're not getting those opportunities, and we have our waiting list, and we do not pick and choose off of our waiting list. Whoever's next on that list, that's who we're contacting. Two of the ones, we invited some off of our list to our gala as our guest, and that night, we surprised them with a hat and a t-shirt that they were going to be coming on as being oh, a volunteer. Love it. And so we have to get them in here. We have yeah. to find out their schedules. And then once they work, then, and we get the money and the funds, then we can move them to payroll. But two of them are, are in wheelchairs. Mm. And it's like, we're not going to pass them up. We mm-hmm. will find opportunities for them here at the bakery. So beautiful. And I just love what, you, what you're doing there and what a gift it is to the, your the individuals who work for you, work with you at the bakery, and also your community. I'm sure the community comes alongside and just loves getting their treats from you guys. And yes, yes. And, you know, so let me ask you, what do you do? What are ways that you rise above your circumstances and that you find joy in your story? Well, I mean... Because I think we are giving people opportunities and we are giving everyone an opportunity. We're not, you know, we want everybody to have a chance. And that's another thing with our wait list. Um, We have uh, Mary who is, she works for, she's our, on our board and she's a retired school teacher, special needs school teacher. And so she does our calling for us from our list. And she has called on our list several times and we have realized that some of them have passed away. Mm. And it breaks my heart to know that they were on our list mm-hmm. and they never got a chance to work Yeah, because that's all they want is a chance. They did. And um, so it, as a parent of a special needs adult, I hate it when people call me and I'm like, you can go on the waiting list. I have 152. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like waiting lists. I wish there was not any waiting list, but even though we have 12,000 square feet here, um, we cannot do a whole lot more here with what we have. Right. We have to be able to branch out and open these other locations to give more people opportunities. And so I would love to rise above all of mm. that and, you know, get rid of the waiting list. And when they call, we're like, oh, yeah, we have a place for you. Mm-hmm. We have this location. We have this location. And you would be able to um, to come to work. But the joy is just seeing how they have, how everybody who worked here works here has um, improved in everything that they do. When they come in each week, one time, some might work more than one day, but they get to decorate a six inch single layer cake, either vanilla or chocolate, vanilla or chocolate icing, and they get to do any design that they want. Well, even with Bradley, Bradley can now get, get the icing on his own, get the bag out. He can change a tip. He can put it on there. And some of them are so good at their decorating skills mm. and they have just increased. I mean, and that, that to me is wonderful to see them improve with something like that, mm-hmm. that they are definitely learning a skill yeah. and it is something that they can take someplace else. And we always tell them, you know, it's like, if you can find another job, that would be awesome. We would hate to see you go, but 
I mean, that would just be amazing if you, you know, can really work mm-hmm. this into a career and know that we had a stepping stone. Yeah. And then it opens up a spot for someone else to come in. Yes. So, yes, it does. <laughs> well, Tempa, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing yeah. more about your story. Um, it's a joy to get to catch up with you after all these years. And <laughs> I just absolutely love what you are doing. And uh, do you all have a website so people can find you and find out more about what you do? Yep, www.specialneedsandtreats.org. Um, we're also on Facebook under Special Needs and Treats. Um, we do have Instagram and Twitter. I have nothing to do with those. Someone else does those yeah. for me. I take care of Facebook, but yeah, you can find us on all those locations. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I bet you get lots of followers after this. So I hope so. Thanks again. Thank you, Becky. I appreciate it and letting us tell our story. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.